really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more, all about the world of rugby. I am, of course, your host, David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game, you know what, wherever I can find it, all over the globe. Uh, If you'd be interested in getting in touch, you know what, I would love to hear from you. It's easy to catch me. I'm on Twitter at of Scrum. I'm on Instagram at the Scrum of the Earth podcast. And you can always just drop me an email. Just send an email to the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. And you know what? It's very likely that I will reply. So I think it's fair to say there was a lot of great rugby this weekend. Let's get right to our normal weekly segments. Yeah. So as always, we start with our current updates. And you know what? <laughs> Honestly, not too much to report on the home front at the moment. Uh, it has been. Oh, spectacularly beautiful out here in New England lately. Uh, We've all tried to get outside as much as possible while it lasts. Um, We just had a parent-teacher conference also with my son, who is crushing first grade, as it turns out. So because of the pandemic, uh, you know, we had to take him out of his preschool. So there was a big chunk of time when he didn't see any other kids at all, period. And that kind of had us worried that he might have a hard time, you know, being social and making friends. But we've just been reassured that that is not an issue. Uh, that is a huge relief. He's also uh, becoming quite the little reader. And I'm very, very much hoping he'll follow in his mother's still uh, scholastic footsteps rather than my own because they are not good. In any event, all signs are positive. So we're feeling pretty good heading into the cold and dark months. Uh, as Joe Walsh famously said, I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. He's too good. He's too good. People have to know. Well, Isa, as is so often the case here, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if this counts as good news or bad news. But anyway, I still think it's worth touching on. So it seems that Stuart Hogg is feeling a bit fed up with people discussing his, his appearance all the time. Uh, He finally got a little angry about it, uh, quoting from the article I found, linked as always in the show notes, quote, Scotland fullback Stuart Hogg has sent a message to fans and media that are focusing on his physical appearance rather than his rugby. The 94-cap Scottish international has spotted a man bun, uh, sported, I should say, a man bun in recent weeks, and it's been a focus for some, quote, Okay, I get it, unquote, he wrote in an Instagram story. I find it incredibly frustrating and annoying that my appearance has somehow taken over my ability to play rugby, according to, quote, fans, unquote, of the game. My hair, my teeth, my bloop choice with what I do. No matter how many times it's heckled, written, commented on, I will continue to be me. Why? Because I've every right to do so i have a man bun i've had dental treatment give it over it's old news find something more interesting to do with your lives concluded the exeter chief star the former scotland captain captain has admitted he has struggled with the abuse directed him while playing the sport even to the point that he considered quitting the game this i didn't know about my friends 
quote, I came across as uh, I come across as a confident, happy person, but deep down at times I've struggled and I have hated it. Unquote. He told B- BT sport. I've actually been very close to thinking, why am I putting myself through all this stress and strain? My body is feeling absolutely horrendous. I'm getting dogs abused at the weekend. Like, why am I doing it? There was a time a couple of years ago I thought, why am I playing rugby? I'm constantly coming home. I'm in a foul mood with my wife and kids, all because some clown has said something about me. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Is it easier if I just walk away from the game and never have that again? Or do I suck it up and go, right, no matter what, you're going to have to get the heat. So, you know, that that, that was the end of that quote. Um, I have to admit, I, I felt kind of bad about this. As I myself referred to him recently as Samurai Jack just a couple of weeks ago. So I've decided I'm going to quit making silly remarks like that. Um <laughs> Believe me, I don't for one moment think that he's talking about me, but even so, I love the guy and I don't like adding to the overall negative noise. So from now on, I'm going to reserve my snark for Danny Kerr, Owen Farrell, and Peter O'Mahony. I mean, some things are just traditional, you know? Some things you got to preserve. So thoughts of the week, my actual thoughts of the week are a little bit surprisingly back on Finn Russell. You know, I'm a a bit surprised to say that, but it's true. So I saw an article with a headline saying he's, quote, back in the squad, unquote. But, you know, the content of the piece is far more ambiguous than that. It read in part, quote, Finn Russell has won won a Scotland call-up after fellow standoff Adam Hastings was ruled out through injury following Saturday's win over Fiji. Russell's was a controversial omission from Scotland's original squad for the Autumn Nations series, but is back in the fold ahead of Saturday, uh, Sunday's BT Murrayfield clash with New Zealand and the visit of Argentina on November 19th. Blair Kinghorn and Ross Thompson were also chosen ahead of the 30-year-old <sighs> Racing 92 fly half with Gregor Townsend citing, quote, form and consistency, unquote, as the key criteria for his selection Kinghorn started in the narrow defeat by Australia, scoring a try before missing a late penalty, which would have handed Scotland victory. Gloucester number 10 Hastings came in for the second game in the series and scored a try, but was forced off early in the second half of Saturday's 28-12 victory over Fiji with a head injury, uh, though afterwards I read it was a groin injury. So, you know, man, right? Uh He was also uh, having a knee issue assessed. After the game, Townsend said he had not spoken to Russell since informing him last month that he was not part of the original squad, but the head coach insisted that was not unusual. Quote, if people are not in the squad, I don't phone them up regularly unless there's something to talk about. Unquote, he said. But I imagine he'll be available. Uh, He was disappointed not to be in the squad if we decide. (sighs) Here's where it is. If we decide to bring in another 10, he'll be one of the ones we're looking at, unquote. What? So a brief Scottish Rugby Union statement on Twitter said, uh, Finn Russell joins the Scotland squad with Adam Hastings returning to his club. George Turner remains with the team as preparations continue for Sunday's game against New Zealand. That's what I mean. The head coach says, if we decide to bring in another 10, He'll be one of the ones we're looking at. But meanwhile, the SRU issues a statement saying, oh, he's back in the squad. 
So has anyone like, I don't know, mentioned it to him? Has anyone asked him about it? Are they just telling him instead of asking him? The whole thing has been so odd. It, it's, it's really, it's really altered my opinion of Gregor Townsend as a coach. In the end, you know, my whole thing is a weekend watching Finn play is better than a weekend not watching Finn play. That's just always going to be true. But, you know, at some point, I'm almost more rooting for him to be like, oh, uh, sorry, mate. I'm busy that weekend. You know, if you find some form as a coach, I might come back. Oy vey with the drama over this already. It's gross. Okay, that brings us, of course, to our reviews. And, you know, as I'm sure you all know by now, the 2021 Rugby World Cup rolled into the semifinal round this weekend. We were treated to two unbelievable matches. As most people, I'm sure, expected, England and New Zealand have advanced and will play for the the uh, all the marbles this coming weekend. You know, uh, oh my gosh, that's a fixture. I simply couldn't be more looking forward to. So as has been the case the past two weeks, I'm saving all the Rugby World Cup chat for my weekly visit from my favorite Scottish player in the entire world, Rachel Law, who will rejoin us later this week to discuss, I mean, well, everything. Uh, she, she's been incredible so far. I, I find myself looking forward to talking with her more and more by the day, like basically Every day of the week after I talk to her, I'm like, oh, how long is it till I get to talk to Rachel again? It's incredible. Um, it's really become a highlight of my week. So now I just have to convince her to become a regular, you know, maybe coming on every month or so. What do you think? Guys, let me know. Tell me what to do. We've got to get her on here all the time. Anyway, uh, Rugby World Cup or no Rugby World Cup in any event, stay tuned for that bonus ep. You will absolutely not want to miss it. So outside of that window, we have to talk about the Autumn Nations. The 2022 Autumn Nations, you know, they kicked off in earnest on Saturday, starting with Italy versus Samoa. I only got to watch bits and pieces of this one. Um, It was all Italy for sure, shutting out the visitors 28 to nil at the break. Oh my gosh. Samoa, they found some mojo in the second half, but it was the Azuri's day smashing their guests 49 to 17 by the end. You know, looked like an absolutely lovely day as well. Sorry, I don't have much more to say about this one. You know, I I definitely appreciate it. It's shortchanging the Italy fans and the Samoa fans as well. But, you know, there was a preposterous amount of rugby on this weekend. I had to make some tough choices. There's this is not the first or last match that I will miss watching. Okay, then, of course, it was Scotland at home facing Fiji. We began with a an incredible quote from the Fiji head coach, Vern Cotter. He said, you can't play unstructured rugby without some structure. You can't play some unstructured rugby without some structure. I love that. Very zen. So anyway, um, early on in this one, bad signs, I thought. But, you know, Scotland were very, very lucky down on their own goal line. More than once, in fact, um, as the scales sort of seemed to tilt towards the visitors, the comms said the first 10 minutes were all Scotland to the extent that you were a bit worried for Fiji. But in the 20 minutes since, they've made Scotland look a bit amateurish. And um, yeah, ouch, but fair. 
So the first time uh, they gave us a shot of Gregor in the booth, I, I suddenly realized just how differently I feel about him just over the last couple of weeks. Like, um, you know, you, they, they always give you the same shot and he always looks the same. Um, and he used to appear, appear to me and I would think, Ooh, he looks serious. He's very concentrated and very no nonsense. But on this day, he just, he looked clueless to me. Same guy, same expression, but boy, oh boy, my, my faith in him as a coach or a leader has been, Pretty much shattered. Of course, uh, you know, Gregor was asked after the match to respond to my comments, and he, he was quoted as saying, who now? <laughs> in any event, uh, Hastings getting it in under the posts right before the break was huge. It felt like it should have been 21 or even 28 to 7 at halftime rather than a 14 to 12 lead for Scotland. So telling stat at halftime, the top five tacklers were all Scotland players, and all of them had at least 10. That is nutty, especially when they showed the dominant tackle stat right after that, showing a 10-0 favor to the visitors. Oh, my gosh. So looking at the scoreboard, you know, we had a lovely little 21-12 alert. Oh, I love it when I see 21-12. That always takes me, you know, in a positive direction, makes me think that's a positive omen. And with that, Quote, Scotland have a little bit of daylight, said the comms. And all I could think was the Princess Bride. Oh, gosh. I would not say such things if I were you. So very late in this one, you know, some goofy officiating, I, I guess is a nice way to put it. Nick Barry, <laughs> I heard him saying, one more penalty and it's a yellow card. And then he called a penalty and didn't issue a card. So an assistant, apparently, according to the comms, you sort of put a word in his ear saying, oh, by the way, you did tell them you were to do that. So he called over the Fiji players and said, hey, I warned you, and now you're on a warning. <laughs> I mean, what's going on? So if Scotland hadn't been in the process of, you know, pretty much putting this one away, I'm sure I would have been fuming. But instead, it just kind of seemed Kind of funny, I guess. Anywho, Ben White, he got a late a late try, mostly untouched off the underman scrum, and Hoggy ran over and tackled him in celebration. How Scotland would it have been if he'd gotten injured right then? Anyway, uh, this one ended with a bit of a whimper rather than a bang, 28-12 to 12 at Murrayfield. Nice win. Didn't give me much at all in terms of confidence, though. My, my faith in Gregor, it's, it's so low. I mean... Scotland lost to a schizo Aussie side a week ago, got smashed by a team they're supposed to be much better than for a full half hour, got lucky many, many times when the Fijians were knocking on the door and the comms took pains to point out the Fiji's lack of prep time, lack of time together leading into this one. Uh, New Zealand next week. It might be a painful wake-up call. Although the alarm's already been ringing for some time now. Hey, what do you know? I, I kind of like that metaphor. I feel, feel like that was kind of clever. Anyway, final note. Player of the match, Darcy Graham. He's so incredible, but he looks like anything but a professional athlete. He looks like, he, I don't know, he might show up to read your electricity meter at your house one day or something. I don't know why, but I always get a kick out of the top-level athletes just kind of looking like Joe Schmo. So back to the action Next up was Wales versus New Zealand. 
I was pleased, very pleased, to discover Ryle Nugent was on comms for this one. I love listening to that dude. And I don't know, it always just makes things seem cooler somehow. And he was joined. Yes, they even waited. It's it's almost like they were uh, gearing this broadcast towards me personally. Because they gave him a moment to wait and then be like, by the way, I am joined by Philip Atutiot. I mean, how great is that? So far this weekend, by the way, it, it seems they've they've chosen uh, for these matches to go with no singers for the amps, uh, the anthems, just kind of letting the players and the crowd take care of it. I get the temptation. I see why you might want to do that, but I just don't think you can beat, you know, having a pro come in and just nail it with the crowd sort of playing their backup singer role. Anyway, um, great number to start things off. 113 caps for Aaron Smith making him New Zealand's most capped back, sixth overall. Wow, what a career. Possibly even more impressive, it was Wayne Barnes' 110th cap, which isn't something I've ever heard them say before. Like They, they don't talk about refs and caps. And suddenly there it was, and they gave him the whistle used in 1905 when these teams met for the very first time. Holy cow, that is so good. Anyway, uh... Jordy, Bowden, and Scott Barrow all started in this one, which I just always think is very cute. The All Blacks, they looked fully in control to start. They scored 17 points in the first 19 minutes. But Rio Dyer, I mean, ugh, on debut, <laughs> sorry, on debut, uh, he got the crowd back in with a lovely try to get Wales on the board. And by the way, if you didn't see Dyer, you know, trying to sort of hold it together emotionally during the anthem, you got to go check it out. It was incredibly moving. You just, you, you got to see how much this opportunity meant for him. Jordy Barrett's 21st international try was just perfect execution. And like they say in the, in the NBA, you know what? You can't teach height. Also, my guy, uh, Artie Savia, I, I love that he and he alone has the license to just sort of take it himself out of rucks at any time. He's just given license like, Oh, you just pick it up and go. He reminds me of Jason Taylor from back in the day with the, the Miami dolphins. Um, he technically was always playing linebacker, but at one point they basically invented a new position for him. They called him the monster man, which basically meant, you know what? Uh, you know better at what you're doing than we do, Jason. So do whatever you want about out there. And I think Ardia, Ardi Savia is at that point. 13 to 22 at the half, thanks to the boot of Anscombe playing 15 on the day. And Wales had to feel good about the momentum, if not the actual score. Ugh, Aaron Smith, of course, was happy to deflate the growing confidence in the arena, absolutely smoking a few Welsh defenders to score a cracker of an individual try. Holy crap, is he fun to watch! Um, just does it all, including being incredibly annoying to the opposite number. So then, a, a very, uh, you know, a pretty sketchy try awarded to Tipperick. I thought it was pretty obvious to to see that, you know, it was the ball was rolling as he kind of dragged it in. But you know what? That was fine because I'm sure Wayne Barnes, you know, I'm sure Wayne Barnes will be relieved to know that I will defer to his judgment in this case. <laughs> oh, so then, oh my word, again, my guy Artie. He threw an audacious, audacious dummy before 
offloading to a streaking Aaron Smith who went in for the brace. The comms were, I'm not kidding, just laughing out loud how exaggerated the dummy was with Philippa saying, that's like a dummy my dad would throw when he's trying to play rugby. I mean, oh my gosh, you gotta love it. So apologies for the, the cheap play on words here, but I think this is real. Caleb Clark's multiple drops I think they could lead to him being dropped. Uh, like I just have this feeling that they're they're getting tired of it. Is it inconsistency? I, I love the guy, but ever since his ill-fated sort of side trip to the seven squad, I don't know. He hasn't been the same since then. Oh, while I was writing that very thing, guess who? Yep, Artie Savia getting a try for himself this time. It was twenty-three to forty-one with a quarter, a quarter hour to go. Oh, side note. Somebody was playing a bagpipe in the crowd. It took me a while to catch it, but, you know, that distinctive skirl, it was calling out throughout the Principality, always a nice addition to any live atmosphere. Anyway, a knock on my whales, close to the Kiwi goal line with only eight and a half minutes left. Looked to spell the end for the the, uh, home team. They put up some arty stats on the screen right then, as if they were just catering to me personally. 14 carries. 54 meters, a try, 10 tackles made, and Philippa said, and one outrageous dummy. Why isn't that on the sheet there? It was great. I mean, she's the best. So Jordy getting his second try and the seventh for his team slammed the door completely shut at that point. Wales haven't beaten the All Blacks since, wait for it, 1953. Just a crazy record. So it was Tokiaho getting an eighth for his team and the final score was an ugly one frankly uh wales of course they had been within six at one point but at the final whistle 23 to 55 yikes and uh to bring it back scotland they look to be in for a big big challenge next week yikes so ireland Versus South Africa was our next offering, our fourth of the day. Oh my gosh, I was frothing at the mouth for this one. The number one team versus the reigning world champs. And over the years since 1906, South Africa have won 18 times to Ireland seven. uh, With the two teams uh, drawing just the one time. The setup shots during the anthems really made it seem like there was a mega ton of Springbok supporters on hand. I, I wish I knew there like a way to find that out. Like, what was the ticket sales percentages? I, I would love to know how to do that. Anyway, um, anyway, I spent a lot of time in the leading week up to it, uh, listening to Irish coverage, Irish podcast, the RTE, so many great podcasts. I've never before felt so aware of like what each team is absolutely going to be trying to do. Um, on top of which I had no dog in this fight too. So like all I wanted was a hard fought close contest. Oh man, it was so good. Oh, side note. It it must be said the fiasco that led to this uniform for Ireland. I mean, it looks like garbage. It's a terrible uni. Never use those again. Please, please let us never see these again, please. So anyway, sure enough, it was a 
vicious, punishing affair, just like you'd imagine. When South Africa got yellow carded, it kind of felt to me like that might be enough of a difference that Ireland could really take a big advantage of. Uh, the comms <laughs> commented, Ireland are being shrink-wrapped out there, which, you know, I don't know. It totally cracked me up. It was 6-6 six to six at the break, and coming back, the comms proclaimed, it was the monster mash. It was the graveyard smash, which, you know, simultaneously kind of amused and confused me at the same time. I have no idea what they're talking about. Anyway, the next note I had was, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. They just said that Peter Steftatoy, former and recent men's player of the year, almost lost a leg through multiple injuries and surgeries. Lost a leg? What? What? Why is this the first time I've heard even a peep about... Oh, it's because I live in the United States, that's why. But that, that's ridiculous. He's a player of the year. He almost lost a leg. Was he in a war? Like, oh my gosh, that's insane. Note to self, look that ish up. Anyway. Two bang-bang tries, right in a row from Ireland. The roar of the crowd literally drowned out the comms. I'm not sure I've ever actually encountered that before. Just like that. It was a 10-point lead. Wow. A little awkward moment as uh, Oxenshay came on and the comms. God, guys. They said his name sounds like a sneeze. Um, it's, that's not a good look, guys. Uh, not good. In any event, as we got to the three-quarter mark, all the momentum was with Ireland. It was starting to look pretty grim for the box, still trialless and scoreless since late in the first half. With some judicious time-wasting and timely defense, Ireland went on to win it 19-16. to It was a little odd just how incredibly pro-Ireland the comms were, but you know what? Maybe I'm just naive. And then, of course, our last on the day and the penultimate Autumn Nations fixture for the week, we had oh, France versus Australia. Quote, these are the nights that set the hairs on end, unquote, said the comms to the kickoff. And yeah, I absolutely loved that. Let's go. By the way, DuPont and Entomac back together for the first time in I mean, they, they said how long it was. It's been quite a while, and I forgot to write it down. I'm sorry about that. But, oh my gosh, to see them back together. You know, I wondered if the other 13 players would just, you know, take a nap. Like, it feels like if you have those two guys, you're pretty much all set. Anyway, some great coaching insights from the booth, by the way. I'm not sure who said it, but I, I did write it down. They said, never be still during a set piece. The other team is always trying to clock you and figure out what you're going to do. So even if you're just walking back and forth, it adds pressure to the defense. I love that. It seems so NFL. That's so great. That seems like a very Belichick thing. Anyway, Australia in the summer, they beat the French in a three-match series, two to one. But if you look at the total points between these teams, Australia won by a single point. Like, uh, it's unbelievable to think about. Um, that's baseball level stuff right there. 19 to 13 at the half. I felt like we hadn't heard the names Dupont or Entomac even once, but they still did hold a slim lead. Australia looked a lot more organized than they did last week. 
I feel like they almost surprised the French by being just less madcap <laughs> than we all expected. Uh, quote, France in search of an 11th victory against Australia, which is why the fans are not happy with Bernard Foley right now. Unquote. I'm sorry. It's at least an A minus for the cops tonight. It seems, I don't know. They're on, they're poetically on point. So by the way, side note, that was when they gave away the New Zealand versus France score in the rugby world cup. Ah, yep. So twice on the day I'd had to use sort of matrix level reflexes to mute the sound just as they were about to give away the rugby world cup semifinal scores, which I was saving for Sunday, but this time it was out of nowhere. I wasn't quite quick enough on the draw every week, man, every week in, in any case. Okay. This one turned into one of the closest and most exciting tests I've seen in recent memory. It felt inevitable that it would all come down to one single point. France trying to set the tone in their home country just, just managed to squeak one out past the Wallabies 30 to 29 in an absolute barn burner. I mean, wow. After the match, Michael Hooper was quoted as saying, this I came back for? No, just kidding. He didn't actually say that. So, finally, of course, Sunday the 6th, we had just the single fixture in the Autumn Internationals, but it was a huge one with England facing Argentina at Twickenham. I felt really bad right off the bat. You know, or, uh, Owen Farrell, he came out onto the pitch, you know, escorting a, a little girl as they do when they bring little kids out there. But then, boom, he threw a swinging arm tackle, wicked high, right on her head. It seemed a little unnecessary, even for him. Uh, anyway, uh, it was pouring rain, of course, as you would expect. <laughs> and the comps, they go, the clouds, gray, forbidding, and low. And Eddie Jones, as they cut to a shot of Eddie Jones, and I was waiting for them to be like, gray, forbidding, and low. <laughs> I mean, it was so obvious. It was hanging right there, but they didn't do it. Anyway, I could have sworn they were going there. So I stopped taking notes for this one because I was just so in it. You know, Ellis Genge, who has somehow gone from, you know, one of my least favorite to my most favorite players. He was absolutely all over this match. And along with Kyle Sinkler, I mean, I've said it before, the two of them together, they are the quintessence of the whole notion of being greater than the sum of the parts. They're just a, a machine out there in some ways. So, but the Pumas, however, their defense was so relentless, so physical. They just refused to let the English get any real foothold as they, uh, you know, pointed out on the flat, uh, the flats and shanks pod just this morning, England kept running out of options. Like Marcus Smith would break away and look to put out the perfect pass. And there's nobody there. Just, just nobody England. They're going to have to, they have a lot to chew on this week, basically. That's for sure. And uh, to my enduring delight, it was Argentina winning away at Twickenham for the first time. I mean, I don't know, in, in dog's ears. And, and my little theories about this being a new golden age for the Argentinian rugby, uh, it's looking a little more prescient by the match. I think I might be onto something. So next week when they play Wales, the principality, that will tell us a lot more about, you know, where they are, where both teams are. In fact, uh, in this one, however, they were ecstatic to come away with a single point victory 
over their storied rivals. The celebrations all over the globe must have been epic, epic and you know, possibly even still going on as I record this right now. It was Los Pumas defeating England 29 to 30. How good has this weekend been? Between the final three fixtures of this weekend, we had only five points separating all these sides. Just incredible. Please, just just hook it into my veins. Okay, trying to calm down a little bit here. We're going to bring you back to the Premiership, which for some reason is still playing. So a lone fixture on Friday pitted Northampton against Exeter. I do have to admit, this one... It turned out to be amazing, so close, so exciting. It was, you know, what it was. It was a lovely little gift for the evening before the big test. It was like opening a surprise gift before your birthday or something like that. So Saturday, Sale versus Gloucester. Leave it to the Sharks to put a halt to the Gloucester win train. Sale held uh, held on to second place on the league table with a convincing. 27 to 17 win over the visiting Cherry and Whites. Gloucester, they will be looking to right the ship back at home against Newcastle on Saturday. And speaking of which, Newcastle versus Bath was next on the list. I I still don't have any idea what to make of this Falcons team. Like, I guess it's safe to say they're more down than up <laughs> this year. But, you know, they do show glimpses, glimpses of greatness occasionally. I don't know, but if you're losing to Bath at home, as they did on Saturday, I mean, it's it's hard to hold on to too many positives. So after being tied at seven going into the break, the visitors, they slowly pulled away, winning in Newcastle 10 to 17. And then Bristol versus Saracens. It was perhaps the most predictable match of the week. Of, <laughs> I wrote the week and all I could think was the year with Saris getting 13 in the first half, 12 in the second shutting out the Bears in the first 40 and giving up just 10 the rest of the way. So even though the crowd on hand seemed bored, you know, that was the way round nine would end. That's just the way it goes. It's it's still so strange to me. Only four matches per week for the Prem. I mean, I, I guess that's not any weirder than, you know, the fact that they're continuing to play while all their best players are out for international duty. Frankly, it, it it seems like they just play too many games in this competition. I mean, its its time frame is almost identical to the URC, but they do twenty six rounds compared to eighteen for the URC. I mean, that is a huge difference. Like you know, Prem, maybe it's time to calm down a little bit. It seems a little too much. So speaking of leagues that keep playing while their best domestic players are all unavailable. (laughs) It was round 10 in the top 14. So three of the seven road teams actually won this week. I know we've been looking at that, you know, that stat pretty closely every single week. It's hard for me to know though, in this case, you know, how much those results are impacted by the internationals taking place. So I don't know, maybe we just kind of toss this one out this weekend. I'm not sure. In fact, there there literally couldn't have been a more even round with three home winners, three away winners, and one draw just for symmetry's sake. I mean, unbelievable. So on Saturday, it was Toulouse versus Stade Francais. Holy cow, so good. I mean, 
of course, this one was a contest between the current number one and the current number two in this league. It did not disappoint, despite the absences, obviously. You know, one of the closest matches I've seen in ages. It actually looked like Stead would pull a rabbit out of their hat right at the end, but a missed conversion left us with a draw. 16 apiece in an absolute thriller. Next, of course, was Claremont versus Bayonne. So this one, I attempted to watch it, but the streaming service that I won't get into, once again, uh, didn't allow me to, basically. So I had to look up the score. Bayonne took this one on the road, 20 to 25. Leon versus Cast was next. And wow, I haven't seen this kind of fire from Leon in quite a while. They They smashed their guests by more than double 44 to 20 when all was said and done Toulon versus Montpellier. I admit I completely missed this one. I wish I could have seen it, Uh, but I did look up the score in Montpellier. They managed a 10 point away win 16 to 26 Rassing versus Perpignan was next on Legenda. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, once again, Rasting did enough while not really bothering to play much defense, though, you know, I can't not mention Finn coming in off the bench and utterly controlling the entire affair from the moment he stepped onto the pitch. I mean, it's, you know what? I think the guy's ready for international rugby. You know what? I think he might be eligible to be selected to play for his country. Jesus H. Christ. Anyway, um, thanks in large part to Mr. Russell himself, it was a home win, 26-20 over an underperforming Perpignan side. Brieve versus La Rochelle was another surprising road victory. La Rochelle edging out their host by just a pair, 17-19 at the end. And finally, it was Poe versus Bordeaux Begla to finish out the weekend and the round. And, and now that I've adopted the Border Beagles, as I simply cannot help thinking of them, uh, it's obviously time for them to start t- taking some real hidings. Uh, if uh, if the scrum of the earth is supporting you, you're going to get whooped. That's exactly what happened this weekend. Uh, to be fair, m- my guys do now have four wins, and so do their victorious hosts from Sunday. So, you know, I guess my little gut feeling about how good they are is struggling in the light of, you know, reality. Anyway. Massive beatdown, thirty-three to seven, for Poe in this one. Please, y'all, can we shelve the league games while the autumn nations are happening? Please, please, please. music you will know it's time for this week's diamond in the ruck award and this week i mean how could it not the award goes to karen paquin ms paquin you led your team to heights nobody saw coming you put in an absolute magic show for all the world to see your determination your drive that psychotic look that you can use for good or evil the tries you scored in this game in this tournament the 80 plus minutes you put in again for the semifinal i mean you are truly an inspiration 
Seeing my Eagles lose is always a tough pill to swallow, but knowing we lost to a team that has you for its leader, well, that makes things so much nicer. You are an inspiration to girls and boys, women and men, on and off the field, and I, for one, am better simply for having had the chance to watch you in action. Ms. Paquin, I don't know when I'll be able to see you again, but thank you for this amazing run. Please enjoy all the spoils and accolades that go along with this, this prestigious award. Karen Paquin, congratulations to you for you are this week's Diamond in the Ruck Award. Enjoy it. Okay, that sets up our updates and previews. And okay, the, the biggest fixture is obviously the final between the Red Roses and the Black Ferns. I mean, how floral and iconic is that? So I do have a, a prediction for this one, but if you want to hear it, you're going to have to wait and tune in to my upcoming chat with Rachel Law later this week. Be on the lookout for that one for sure. So the newly named Autumn Nation series, it continues on Saturday with a riding high Ireland team facing Fiji at the at the Aviva. Italy looked to keep things rolling against a struggling Aussie side in Florence. England welcomed Japan to their home turf. I mean, just imagine if, if two visitors in a row could make a two on the bounce against England. Okay, it's, it's too good to think about. Anyway, as previously mentioned, it's th- then the Welsh hosting Argentina in a match I couldn't predict in a million years. And then, oh my word, Saturday capper. I mean, I must be at least as keyed up for this one as I was for the Ireland game this coming this past weekend. It's France taking on the Springboks in Marseille. I mean, every single thing about that sentence just makes my eyes pop. I can't wait. So on Sunday, things are, you know, perhaps a little less bonkers with, I'm hopeful to say, a barbarian side taking on a, you know, basically a minor league New Zealand squad. Let's hope the Barbars don't disqualify themselves somehow this time, because it seems like that's what they do. Then, a game friend of the pod, Craig Banson, will be bringing his kids to, for, you know, reasons a little bit incomprehensible to myself. It'll be Scotland hosting the, as the man himself would say, a full noise New Zealand side to Murrayfield for what looks like to be a potential ass-kicking But hey, the hope that kills you springs eternal. Wow, I feel like I'm teetering on the precipice of so many metaphors right now and cliches. Anyway, in the Prem, it'll be Bath hosting Leicester on Friday, Gloucester versus Newcastle, and Exeter versus the Irish on Saturday, and then Saracens versus the Saints on Sunday. The Saracens play every single week no matter what. They just not get buys because they don't want them. Anyway, top 14, the URC, they're both taking well-deserved breaks this weekend. Thank God. Premiership, what are you doing out there? Like mixing it up while nobody's watching? Any way you look at it, there will still be a ton to cover. So, you know, tune into the rugby. Tune in back here. Rest assured, we'll be here to discuss every little bit. So much rugby. that does it for another week and you know from now through the winter holidays 
man oh man things get good we've got the internationals of course we'll have a, a couple of rounds of europe then the christmas derbies oh it's gonna be so good so as always thanks again for coming along to all of you across the globe cheers talk to you soon and be well